Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. So hi, welcome back. It's Kathleen and Amy with Better Family Travel, Episode 3. Hey, Kathleen, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. We had snow today, which was unexpected. We set up our ice rink in our backyard, which I'm not sure we're going to be able to use because you need a nice smooth ice and now we have snow on it. But other than that, things are going well. How is back to school going for you? Not so bad. Not so bad. It keeps things a little bit quieter around here, but you know, there's the whole rush around in the morning, get everybody packed, ready out the door that I honestly don't miss when we're home. I, every time we go through that, get ready, get ready, get out the door. I think to myself, Oh, I could do without this. (laughs) Well, let's do, hopefully today's guest will be a little mental escapism. Our guest today is Rebecca Holzhauser. Rebecca and I are very dear friends. We've been friends for about 15 years now. We met our first day, I believe in law school and we have, our lives have interwoven, but a common theme throughout has been both of our loves for travel. Becca is a lifelong international traveler and has worked really hard to incorporate her love of travel into her day-to-day living. And I think you'll really enjoy getting to talk to her today. She sounds like my kind of person. I cannot wait to talk to her. Becca, welcome to Better Family Travel. Thank you so much for having me. We asked Becca on. I actually have known Becca for years. We went to school together. But Kathleen, you've never met Becca before. So this is really your first time meeting meeting Becca. And the reason why I thought Becca would be just an amazing guest to talk about travel with is because before you and I even Kathleen started talking about travel, Becca and I have had so many amazing conversations about travel and her history with travel. And so Becca, I'd like to let both our Better Family Traveler listeners, our travelers and Kathleen, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are now so people can get a picture of your life today? Sure. And again, Thanks again for having me. And uh, Kathleen, nice to meet you virtually <laughs> through the podcast. It's such an honor to be part of your to be part of your evening. Sure, I can tell you I, I'm working mom right now. I work at an insurance company as a senior claims analyst, and our line of work is in psychiatric. So never dull moment there. Um, have background as an attorney and practiced in Hartford, Connecticut for almost 10 years. And I have a two-year-old. I'm married to my husband, Chris, and he is a lawyer as well. How old and, is your daughter? Uh, she's two and a half. Mm-hmm. Her name is Valerie. <laughs> and it's never a dull moment at our house, especially this past year with COVID, but we've been thankful to have daycare open. And I am, let me tell you a little more, my my dad's from Italy and my mom's from Connecticut and they met in, um, my dad was in grad school. So he decided to stay in the United States and make a family with mom. And my brother and I are, are the products of that union. So um, we have an international upbringing, I would say, you know, uh, a lot of Italian culture in our in our blood. <laughs> Were you born stateside? 
I was, yes, yes. Um, my brother and I grew up here. And um, so our when was the first time you traveled? Three to Europe <laughs> to see grandma, grandpa, Nano and Nana. And I, I said to my mom, wow, that was really young. How did you do it? She said, well, it wasn't easy. <laughs> she said, but we really we wanted to get you over there to see the paternal side of the family, grandparents, cousins, and uh, experience that culture and get to know it. So we pretty much went every other year to Europe through my childhood. So, um, but now I have a two and a half year old and although it's COVID, if it weren't COVID, I don't think I'd be ready to take her over there on that, you know, seven and out, seven and a half hour flight or whatever it is. So I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant on uh, international travel just yet with her. Maybe when she's five, maybe when she's just a bit older. So Becca, you know, you and I met when you were, you had just, we just started law school and you went straight from undergrad to law school and I had taken 10 years off. So there, there was a different perspective coming in. But one of my first really, really recollections of you and what was so amazing is just the spirit you you brought to things. You know, for instance, and, and this wouldn't have been exactly at law school, but how like you say the name, the Italian names, right? So now I'm married. And, and the second I introduce you to Wade, go ahead. How would you say Wade's last name? De Cesare. Yeah. And your eyes sparkle when you talk about this. So clearly there's that love of that culture that comes through with just when you speak the words. Can you talk a little bit about how that was fostered in your family growing up? Absolutely. So my dad went to school in the United States to study languages, and he ended up getting his PhD from UConn in Italian. And so language was really important growing up and being as bilingual as possible in our family was really a kind of a goal. So while I'm not going to claim Italian fluency, many words are embedded in, in my uh, vernacular. I can get by. I could I could get us through um, an Italian road trip for sure. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So language is really important. I actually majored in French in college and studied abroad in Paris for one semester, um, ended up staying a lot of the summer afterwards, just because I, I didn't want to leave. Europe is uh, spellbinding. And it's an incredible, you know, so much to see so much history, watch wonderful culture. And all these countries are so close together that you can hop around on a your rail pass or a quick flight and really experience such a, a breadth of culture. So yeah, language, um, just to get back to your original question, language is huge in our family. And I think learning it early and making it joyful has been a really fun part of our raising our daughter, Valerie, to learn some Italian as, as, as she grows up. And she's learning English at the same time. I think you're speaking to Kathleen's soul when you're talking about language, right, Kathleen? <laughs> so Kathleen um, is taught herself, I, I'm telling her story, but she's taught herself to be fluent in Spanish. And she too brings that joy of another language, you know, here in an area of the country where you can get by perfectly well with only speaking one language, but to purposefully inject 
language into another language into by choice into your family at this point, I think is a pretty cool thing because it, I see the love when people do that, when they, when they make that as an active choice. Could you share, you know, in that previous shows have shared with each other, you know, some of our memories of travel with our families growing up. Can you share with us one of a family memory of traveling to Europe? Yeah, I'm, I can actually remember my first trip. I probably was a little closer to four, but your trips with your kids don't have to be anything fancy for them to be memorable. But people find it almost incredible that I have a recollection of one evening in particular when I first went to Italy. And I think it's because it was so infused with love and joy is when we arrive, you know, the time zone is six hours ahead. I was probably super cranky, but the first night that we got to um, my dad's village in southern Italy, San Lorenzo, we uh, were welcomed by the whole neighborhood, you know, let's say 10 families or so, in the courtyard across from my grandparents' house with a giant cauldron of boiling water with pasta inside and grandma's homemade, nonna's homemade sauce and a sign written in English from the teen, teens or kids in the, in the village, welcome Rebecca. And I just remember this large crowd of people, people picking me up, giving me the, you know, the Italian double kiss, you know, one, one cheek and then the other, and, and just feeling so excited to be there. And I was three and a half, but that memory will never, never fade. And it's, you know, food is the love language of Italians, I think, and it's uh, no different in my family. So I do, I remember the meals, the time together, and just the simple pleasures of, of being there with my family. It's so funny that you talk about the food and the meals and the experience because I've never traveled to Italy with you. I've never traveled internationally with you. As far as I recall, I haven't really traveled much of anywhere with you, but I have gone to parties with you or gone to parties at your home that you've hosted. And it is an experience that I don't always get at every gathering. There's You inject a warmth into it, which is wonderful, but there's something centered around the food and the presentation of the food. The entire, the entire thing is an event from start to finish, whether it's just you and I having a glass of wine or our friends and our family. Can you talk a little bit about how that love of food and entertaining and if it connects at all with that experience you were telling us about in Italy? Oh, absolutely. I think that my dad tried to bring much of that into the, the culture in our, in our lives in, in Connecticut. And I'm going to use, even though we're Italian, I'm going to use a French phrase to describe how we would prepare and enjoy a gathering like that. Like you described, joie de vivre, all right? The joy of life, joy of living. It's the five senses that you really use in preparing for a dinner party or a, a family gathering. And Amy, I consider you family. You know, you've, you've been over the house. We consider you familia, okay? <laughs> so yeah, I think if you take a step back and you're thinking about doing a gathering post-COVID, we're all looking forward to that. And just use your five senses with delicious food and some ambiance and I know ambiance is, it seems like it's ancillary, but it's actually, it's so 
setting the vibe for a gathering with music or lighting, such a simple thing, but it makes, it, it adds that warmth to your group gathering. And, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, certain bright flavors, like adding lemon to your water. It's a simple thing, but it, it just makes for a beautiful experience. And yeah, I mean, the biggest shame of uh, in an Italian household is if the guests don't leave completely full. <laughs> so <laughs> we aim, we aim to feed. And I think that the food is cooked with love always. So it's hopefully that's, you know, hopefully that's, appreciated and understood by by those in attendance but yeah we we live we live to party in our household <laughs> that's awesome kathleen you know you and i this hour, we, kathleen's family and my family was a little bit of our covid bubble between the six kids and living close together and not really going many places this summer what she and i our family spent many sundays especially in august into september just hanging out in the backyard in a way we had the time and these were the most simple gatherings, right, Kathleen? But we they involved wine. They, they, you know, they. <laughs> well, that was the taste. That was the taste sense. And then, you know, we had the touch. We had like, you know, our our cozy dresses that we wore, and the air was just right. Visual, right? Things looked really pretty. We, you wrapped your bread and, you know, a, a towel. Like there was no paper napkin to be seen. We were trying to get the, the cloth that we wanted to look at and touch, right? We were trying to get all those little pieces. But it was funny because it didn't start that way. You know, we, you know, we, we started with like, you know, I don't know, like the pizza plastic and cups paper of plates, right? Pizza, exactly. Pizza and, paper. and then we were like, we can do better than this. We can, have, we can start to have the joie de vivre, right? We can, we can have the moment. It doesn't have to be pizza every time. Why not break out the fine china? Because we have all the time in the world with each other. And it makes those moments and those afternoons feel like you've stepped out of your backyard and into, you know, the, the Italian countryside where we could just look out at the field and enjoy bread and wine and good company and the joy and the calm and the mental health improvements that those little things brought to us made such a difference. And I haven't been to Italy, but I felt like we brought Italy home a little bit. <laughs> I it may be inspired that. by you, Becca. It's very possible. Very subtly, but Amy's well, got a gift for entertaining all of her own as well. Well, it's funny because I laugh about the China comment, right? Because I'll share this story. When Becca was engaged to be married to Chris and she we and I, she and I were talking about her registry and you know I gave the advice I oh, don't register for China no one ever uses the China and Becca is really nice so she didn't tell me like you don't know what you're talking about but she's like oh you know I think I'm going to register for China and I'm thinking to myself okay you know sucka you know you're never going to use it and then the first time I went over to her house it was it wasn't like Thanksgiving or Christmas. It was it was a gathering of girlfriends, you know, on a I want to say like a Sunday afternoon. And there's Becca with her China. And it was amazing. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you should use this stuff. It, it so she knew what she was talking about, and I was the fool. But she brought those the touch of, you know, and I remembered her wedding because I knew it was her wedding china, and I remembered her shower, which where she opened it up and I don't know, Becca, do you, you know, that was pretty, in this day and age where everyone's like, you don't use China, you're like, oh, but you do. 
Can you talk I, a little bit about how I, you got that attitude? I think that's from mom. My mom is, she's one to use the China. I joke that she would be able to have a sit down dinner for 200 with the dishes she has. Um, you know, no paper plates necessary. But yeah, I think that as as a kid growing up in my family, it was like we didn't, you know, necessarily have a lot, but what we had, we used and we loved making our guests feel special. And I think that if if you've got the china, like why are we letting it collect dust? Or we've got the Waterford crystal from the wedding. Let's use it. It's, you know, I think use the china we got the waterford crystal you might as well use it and when we're entertaining and thinking of our guests keeping them in mind we want our guests and our family friends to feel special and growing up my mom always allowed me to have some autonomy over preparations for guests so she would say, do you want to do the centerpieces and go outside and cut some fresh flowers? I would. And I would, I would say, let's eat outside, you know, or let's, let's pull some candles out. And, you know, these are simple things that make maybe a touch more effort, but mom always let me do it. And it was always so fun to be part of creating those evenings of gatherings. So um, whether it's china or crystal or silver or just some linen napkins that you have in a drawer, why not? You know, life's short and it just adds, it just adds a little sparkle to the gathering. Becca, do you think if you hadn't traveled to Italy ever and you had had the same family dynamic at home, do you still think that those values would have been transferred to you? Or do you think that Part of incorporating that mindset is having been to another country, having seen the culture home at home. I think my dad did the best to that he could to bring it to us. And I don't discount that at all. But I think travel is just such an eye opener and is unbelievably enlightening because because setting foot on the on the ground you know you're getting some of those elements at home with passed down traditions and culture but just to be there and again to just go back on the five senses of you are experiencing folks who you know don't speak your language and in fact i mean even in a, in italy the number of dialects are just as great as the number of you know, region. So there's so many dialects of the Italian language. So it's it's a richness in language over there. But I think being there was tremendously um, impactful on my upbringing. And I feel really fortunate to have had that. I don't know if I would have had the same opportunity to go so many times had my Nani not not been there, you know, so if they were in the United States, which at one point they were prior to my being born, um, but they moved back and everyone kind of moved back except my dad and <laughs> he, he stayed for my mom and uh, stayed here. But, you know, I asked you that because with the pandemic still in full swing, it's very unattainable for most of us to make those types of travel plans. But Akin with Amy, we do tend to start to have the wheels turn as soon as someone has a good idea. My wheels are turning. And I'm thinking about, well, I have neighbors who I know 
have family members that are first generation from Spain, and I have first generation from Guatemala, and I have first generation from Italy right nearby. So what I'm thinking to myself is what about visiting the people that can bring those sensory experiences to us right now? You know, we can be outside, we can we can discuss how can I make a dinner for my family that would replicate something that I could see if I were to travel? You know, what can I do to spark in my own family the interest in a different experience so that maybe someday down the line, if we can get on that airplane and go visit, we'll already have have that connection and we'll already have that memory. One of the things that Amy and I talked about recently was the anticipation and the planning being part of traveling and the enjoyment of travel is just the anticipation of getting there and something that we'll talk about a lot more, I think, as the episodes go on. But I feel like now is a beautiful time to start thinking about the planning and getting your kids to make those choices about how would you like to set this up so that it makes the guests feel special? What will make them remember and go, wow, remember that beautiful centerpiece that the kids put out from the garden, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, I'm wondering if reaching out to neighbors, family members might be happy medium right now while we can't travel. I think that's a fantastic idea. And while we're all dreaming of the the point in time when, you know, the the virus has abated, we can jump on a plane and go places with our family. If we can't, I think there's there's so much we can do. And I think I'm th- you know, I'm thinking about Italian culture, but I was just, you know, in building the anticipation, I think you really enjoy that trip so much more, especially through the eyes of a kid who's tried to make pasta at home, you know, rolling out and making ravioli with mom and dad, um, or the sibling listening to some songs on YouTube. We have the internet at our fingertips, which has been, you know, made this all so much more bearable is that we have all these beautiful resources online. So Amy, you were mentioning in the prior episode um, about anticipating for the trip by watching YouTube's videos. And I think that if there's some even if you don't have a neighbor who's first generation or, or of a different culture than you are, you know, you can also find um, very interesting things online. And there's so many movies that can transport you to those cultures. So to absolutely, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not thinking of all the uh, ideas that you could have to, to anticipate for, let's say, a trip to Italy, but there's probably so much we could do together with the kids to prepare. So it's funny because, you know, we can all see each other, right? But our listeners, we're just doing audio, but we are on video and can see each other. And I know the two of you just saw my daughter come in and give me a quick hug, right? And so I just want to share with you that backstory about what that was. In taking the time, and I really do think that this is particularly that Italian mindset that we've worked, and I've never been to Italy, and I would love to, but the stopping and enjoying the moment and the making the small moments magical, right? So we live next door to a church. That's my neighbor. I have a cornfield and a church next door. The, the church is on the other side of a cornfield. And for some reason that I have yet to understand, a couple months ago, they've started to play a song at nine o'clock at night. And I will be honest, at one point in my 
my life, a song at nine o'clock at night when I have small children and it is past their bedtime would probably have driven me up the wall. But I look forward to this song every single night. It's become magical. And honestly, I've chosen to also paint that magic for my daughter. You know, so I use words of magic. I'm like, oh my gosh. So now when she hears that, that's our special time. Wherever, you know, she's she's up past nine. She shouldn't be, but it's a pandemic. So what are we going to do? And <laughs> when we hear that bell, she comes and she gives me a hug and we take a moment in our day and listen to the bell together. And although she knows I'm recording the podcast and I could see her hesitate because she knows that she shouldn't come talk to mom, I kind of waved her on because that's our special moment. And I don't want to give it up because at nine o'clock when that church plays that the song for a minute or so. And I was, I tried to go on mute when I started to hear it. That's our time. And it's one time a day, but it is injecting those magical moments, you know, and I very much think it's from what I've learned from you, Becca, in making little moments magical. The times Kathleen, you and I this summer, like expanding on some of that. And, you know, every successive Sunday, we added a little extra flair, but it really boiled down to, I'm not going to Italy anytime soon. I'm not going anywhere. My family's probably living more shut up than even most people right now. But boy, do we look forward to that nine o'clock music. Anyway, I just want to share that story. But I wanted to go back, Becca, because early when you first introduced introduced us in your family. You mentioned, you know, your daughter, Valerie, who's two. I'd like to talk for a few minutes, if you don't mind, about how you saw yourself as a parent. And especially I knew you pre-parenthood where you were on the go traveler all the time and what your expectations were of a parent versus the reality of traveling as a parent. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah, that's it's one of those times when after you become a mom, you go back to your friends who were moms before you and say, I'm so sorry, I did not know how hard this is. And, and it's so wonderful, but it's also like you can, you know, pre-kid, you can say, oh, my kid is going to sit at the at the restaurant son's tablet and eat everything, eat the greens. And then you're, you're parenting and you're like, no, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It's a lot of tug of war. It's so beautiful, but it, yeah, it's a, it's a big change for us in our traveling. So I will say this, I think infants are very portable, which is cool. I did take Val on a trip. Uh, it was a work conference, but my husband came and he had the days off and she was about seven and a half months old teething and still breastfeeding. And we, it was unbelievably challenging, but it was so much fun to see, you know, her enjoy some very simple pleasures, but new experiences. I just remember we were at a restaurant in Disney World. You know, she's she's not even one. They put her in a high chair up to the table and she was, I can, you know, you, you all on the podcast won't see my face, but she was elated. She was so happy to just be sitting at a table with us. You, you know, that could have happened anywhere. That could have happened at a friend's house down the road, you know. So, but it, we just had some time to spend, you know, that that we weren't rush, rush, you know, we were on vacation with her. And it w- there were a lot of special moments. I could have used better family travel at the time of making that those plans for that trip, because <laughs> I found myself in the evenings in our, you know, single hotel room with our seven and a half month old nap sleeping 7pm. And Chris and I t- got takeout salads, and we're eating them in the hotel, like, 
kitchen, you know, bathroom area where the sink is because we don't want to wake her up. And I'm, you know, washing pumping parts in the bathtub. It was unbelievable. I needed better family travel, but we're excited at some point to do it again. She's a, a wily toddler now. So we may take a, a trip, just the, the two of us, but wow, I had no idea about all this before I had a child. <laughs> did the pandemic slow down your plans for traveling or did parenthood or something else slow down your plans for traveling? I think once she turned two, we said, let's, let's take it easy. That, that parenting, I think, was us coming to terms with reality that we cannot jet set. Not that we really were, but we we can't just take her along anywhere just yet. Like, let's work on a couple of things and make it comfortable for everyone. Having the pandemic really put the kibosh on any kind of travel. So even the local travel, we kind of strayed away from and just kind of stuck to the home base. But going back to what Amy said during this time, you know, the silver lining of all of, of this time that we've been in lockdown and just kind of confined to our bubble is that we found magic in the mundane. You know, we, we went on lots more hikes in our woods and we, we followed a stream to see where it went. And uh, we look for trolls in the woods. So I think we did, we did some great micro traveling during this COVID time. Building a love for exploration, right? An adventure. Sometimes kicking and screaming through it. <laughs> but yes, we are, we're working oh, on it. I'm just a side note. We have this thing that happens in our house where everyone whines and complains about packing up to go for a hike in less than ideal weather or whatever. Usually food will sway them to come along. I'm like, pack some something in your backpack. Like, go ahead, grab the bag of cheeses. I don't care, whatever you want. Let's just go. But it happens every time where they are grumpy and then we get there and they go, oh, this is so amazing. Thanks for taking us here. And I do the whole mom like, and what do you say about what a hard time you gave me before we packed up to go on this trip? I'm sorry. And we even try ahead of time to say to them, you know, last time you didn't think you were going to enjoy this adventure and we just, we were game for it and we went and we all really enjoyed it. So just give it a try. And that doesn't seem to convince anybody to have any better of an attitude about it. So for all of you out there that feel like this is a losing battle, I say keep fighting because ultimately it's about getting that gratitude at the end or even in the middle of the trip wherever somebody, one, only one of my three kids, that's all I need. One of them to look at me and go, that was actually really fun. I'm like, that's a win. I'm good with that. I don't need a lot. <laughs> and you know, Absolutely. Years, oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, years later, they'll be saying, remember all those hikes mom <laughs> took us on? What a great mom. That was amazing of her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, Becca, you know, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with both foreign travel and bringing some of that mindset home because there's so much about that mindset that we're really trying to incorporate, get a little bit better every day, especially with not maybe being able to go where we want to go. We do have our mailbag, our, our segment that we like to call Ask Better Family Travel. And we happen to have a couple questions coming in about foreign travel. And I have not traveled abroad with the, my children. And I didn't travel abroad as a child. I only did it as a teenager or actually a young adult. I was wondering if you would help us with the, with the segment of Ask Better Family Travel. Absolutely. If I can. <laughs> 
The question we got was, what is the best age to bring your child to Europe? And I've been thinking about this. Not that we can go to Europe right now, but I was three, verging on four. My parents took my brother when he turned one. That was rough. I push it to closer to five. I mean, no hard and fast rule, really. Every kid is different, but I think you're avoiding some of the tantrums. Some of my friends who take take their littles to Europe would, you know, roll their eyes or cringe at my answer, but I'm thinking five. I have a story from a good friend of mine who um, took her, I think she was probably two and a half, three at the time of a European flight, didn't put her in the middle seat. She and her husband fell asleep and the little one was roaming around the plane. Um, the stewardess had to shepherd her back to uh, the mother and say, I think you're missing someone. <laughs> so there are lots of things that happen with littles, but yeah, I think it's it's really dependent on the on the child or children. Maybe you have one that's a bit younger and the other two can be a bit easier. Uh, so it's just a, it's not easy. I, Those I flights love, are long. Get them a seat. I, Get them a seat. <laughs> I love your mindset because I don't know about I think I do now. Many of our listeners with the question, what is a great age to bring your child to Europe when to start bringing is probably anchoring themselves to somewhere 12, 13, maybe more teenage years. And I love that your internal debate was, or your, your external debate was whether age one or five was really the better age. And, you know, being a little more pragmatic that five might be better than one. I think that's fantastic because I would venture to guess the vast majority of people would be like 15, maybe. Great. I don't know. It's great. They might you know, not want to hang out with their parents at 15 um, on a on a European trip. You may want to get them on, you know, 10 or under because then they're going to be little sponges still and not not necessarily have the, the ear, earbuds in the, the ears and tuning out mom and dad sometimes. But, you know, every anytime you can do it. I, I have a friend who does a lot of international travel. She said to me, just book the darn thing. Don't, you know, don't have and haw too much because then you'll, you may be, you know, inaction paralysis. That's me. That's my role on the podcast. I'm the inaction paralysis person. That's my voice. And I'm here to be the, you know, the relatable, oh my gosh, I had all of these plans. I was, I, I had pictures. I was ready. And I just needed somebody. I needed you, Becca. I needed somebody to say, just book it, just do it. And it'll happen. I mean, I've learned now that we can get through almost anything. I can get through schools closing tomorrow, but not today in a week, but not last week working at home, working at school, having kids home. Like I, I've gone through, my babysitters have canceled at the last minute and I have to figure that out. I've gone through changings of jobs. I, all kinds of things have happened when I've realized you work it out. Like things just tend to work out. And that applies to travel too. I really firmly believe that, which is 
part of the reason why we're here is because I feel like that message, I want to share what I didn't hear 10 years ago. My oldest is 12 and he's got the earbuds already. It's starting. It's beginning. And I don't think we've lost our opportunity yet, but I think that that phase is coming. And so I want to, like I said, be the relatable person that had the paralysis, but I am so ready to reject that and move forward. I think it's never too late to make that change and that adjustment and say, you know what, I'm just going to go for it. And listening to you today, I feel like it's so achievable. So starting those anticipating discussions at the dinner table, watching YouTube videos of where we want to go. Maybe I'll have the kids plan where our trip will be. We could start setting the table and setting that atmosphere in a way that gets us excited about that trip. And maybe that will help me too get us to that next step, you know? Yeah, that that anticipation build, as you mentioned, it's, I think it's going to be crucial and, and it gets everybody on board and even more excited for the adventure ahead. I want to give the kids a voice in where we go, but the second half to your question for Ask Better Family Travel actually is about whether you have an opinion about which countries might be more family-friendly than others. And so maybe I can steer them in a direction that will make us all happy. Do you have any suggestions about places we could go that could be more family-friendly? Would it be too biased to say Italy? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) No, Italy is amazing. I think it's probably one of the, for Europe, it's it's probably one of the most popular destinations. But with that, you've got different cities within Italy that Rome is going to be super busy when all the kids are on school vacation, and it can be overwhelming. But there's some beautiful towns on the outskirts where you could potentially stay. I think Florence is amazing, and it's way more accessible in terms of crowds. And it's still busy, but it's a smaller city. Other countries, I mean, Spain is amazing and has a richness of history and culture and gorgeous beaches and beautiful wine country for the parents where your kids can run around and explore. I mean, you can be on the, you know, the Northern coast has an amazing art museum. It's Guggenheim. You got the Santiago de Compostela. I will, I'm going to put in a shout out for Portugal too. An amazingly accessible, small country, beautiful people, great food, amazing prices. I think your hardest thing is going to get the the flight price, but it's a fantastic country that I think is under under mentioned in our uh, our typical Western travels. That's great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Becca, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. I love talking about these topics with you and your insights are really inspiring. I've always been inspired by it. And I have a feeling just looking at Kathleen's face that she is now a Becca convert on travel and just spreading the joy and the love of it. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to talk about travel. I feel honored to be able to share a little bit of myself and hope that we can all spend these next few months enjoying the anticipation, enjoying these smaller magical moments at home. Thanks, Becca. So that was a great segment with Becca. Did you enjoy meeting her? She's amazing. I am definitely looking forward to our get together with our Portugal away from home (laughs) evening. (laughs) I I really do, again, find her attitude toward everyday living, inspiring, and trying to live in the moment. And I know that that 
joy that she brings from talking about international travel, especially Italy, and how she brings it into her day-to-day life. It's not for her just a trip every two years when she was a child, but it is a a lifestyle and a mindset. And it's something I definitely really admire. Well, and she seemed so calm about all of her experiences. There was no sense of, oh, I have to replicate this or, and you know, a sense of, oh, that never went well. It's She's just is sort of open to all experiences and seems to be able to find joy in whatever moment is presented to her. And I, I really admire that. And I think it's something I'm going to take with me tonight. And tomorrow when I wake up in the morning, I will start my day with that attitude and, and see what it can bring me. Awesome. So it brings us to our final segment of the night, our better family travel tip. And for my turn for our better family travel tip of the week, it's adopt a backup travel lovey. All of our children or many of our children have beloved stuffed animals and we are firm believers. And this goes back to my mother. I have to give my mom credit for this. My mom taught me this and I've incorporated it with my family. For us, we don't bring the most beloved stuffed animal on any trip. We have a second best friend. For William, he has his most beloved, he has two, very creatively named Brown Doggy and Blue Doggy. And Brown Doggy is brown and a dog. And Blue Doggy is blue and a dog. And they have been his best nighttime friends since he was little. And I think I will forever love them probably more as I watch what they looked like when they were born. And now, you know, the fur is rubbed off and, you know, the eyes getting loose on Brown Doggy. And I will forever be grateful for brown doggy's journey in our life but brown and doggy does not journey from our home and brown doggy does not even journey from his bedroom when we were when he was little we wouldn't even let him journey from the crib because we're like listen we're not gonna go try to find brown doggy at any time during the day but we do have a harvey rabbit and harvey rabbit's pretty good you know harvey rabbit's much liked he's not much love but he's, he's he's a good pal harvey rabbit he's green and harvey rabbit is our trip rabbit and he gets to come on trips harvey rabbit's very well traveled and thankfully we've never lost Harvey Rabbit. But if we did, it would be sad, but it wouldn't be devastating. And we talk about ahead of time on the trips before we go that Brown Dog, he's going to stay home. And we even explain like, he's just too important. We can't risk it. You know, we don't we don't want to do that to him. And and we talk it through. And then we bring, you know, Harvey Rabbit will go to bed at night, you know, and kind of, you know, be there too. So he is before the trip. And then Harvey will come on the trip with us. And our other two children also have backup stuffed animals, but not any one specific one. They'll pick one ahead of the trip. William has a designated travel one that even as he's getting older is starting to fade, but I'm a big fan of the backup lovey. That was your mom's idea. That was my mom's idea. My mom is fantastic. She's so practical. She's like, listen, I'm not going to do this. Like, you're just no way. And she taught that to both my sister and I. Seriously, this is one of those things that I wish I had known back when. Kind of like, I wish I had known that setting up expectations the morning of a kid's birthday party or like Elf on the Shelf. I'm sorry for everyone who loves Elf on the Shelf, but things I wish I had known ahead of time that maybe I could have done differently. But, you know, my shiny new mom, eyes were like, of course you can bring the thing that you love the most with you when we go far away from home. When you first told me that your kids have an alternate lovey to take on a trip, it was like that scene from Scrubs where a ton of bricks come flying out of the ceiling and land on John Dorian, right? That was me. That I had a ton of bricks on my I was like, Oh my gosh, why would I not have them bring something else? 
right? So thank you for changing my life because gone are the days of us being in the car and being like, yeah, we have all those things that we can't leave this state without because otherwise we'll never, you know, get home. So yeah, life-changing. Take this tip and run with it, all of you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my mom through and through. So on that note. On that note. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. We love the chance to talk to you about our experiences, bringing in our new guests. We have more coming up, lots of new topics to discuss. Better Family Travel is proud to be part of the CMG Podcast Network. Be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for past episodes and over 30 different podcasts in a wide range of genres. And make sure to send your questions and comments to askbft at betterfamilytravel.com. And keep tuning in for the latest tips trends, experiences, and adventures, and follow us on social media at Better Family Travel.